Welcome to On and Off the Pitch. Hello and welcome to On and Off the Pitch. I'm Rodney Cyrus. I hope you're well and a belated Happy New Year. It's that time already. Um, what a way to end 2021. Let's go there first. At a time when most people were getting ready to wrap presents, two days before Christmas, the players at Coventry United were being told or trying to wrap their head around the news that they were, at that point, out of a job. Not good. So, we are now one week into the new year. It is 2022 and there is hope on the horizon. The club have been saved by the company Energy Angels, according to various threads on Twitter. And the CEO of the company itself, it seems that they are close or have sealed the deal or close to sealing the deal um, to rescue the club from disappearing from the world of football and the championship altogether. Uh, Coventry United's angel uh, specifically is the CEO, Lewis Taylor, um, and I'm sure uh, we will discover more about him and his plans for the club, for the players, for the staff, etc. in good time. This is good news. It feels a million times better than when I spoke to you uh, that Thursday before Christmas on the Twitter space that evening and spoke from the heart and listened to individuals like Paul, who spoke from the heart, who had an insight to the club and spelled out a number of things and talked about the emotional connection to the players, emotional connection to the club and what, what that meant to him and the fans, etc. And during the conversation, I kind of listed in the form of a wish stroke tick list, a number of things that I felt needed to be said, but also could be done better. Or we could look at where things could be better. So the first one is, is better investment, you know, better investment, not just necessarily in terms of talking about clubs investing in the women's game for those big clubs that have a, a women's team attached to it. But in terms of the sponsorship, in terms of where it's coming from. So there has to be a tick in terms of that, what's happening, better investment. So for Coventry, um, United, women, it's definitely a, a tick in that direction for them because they have, they've experienced a U-turn in, in, in terms of their emotions over the last few weeks. It's got to be, it has to be one hell of a ride, hell of a, a roller coaster. So in terms of the list, uh, a closer look at sponsorship deals, you know, tick, you know, energy angels, ethical, something about them that says this is going to be, you, you come in to save players and a club at, at the right time. You you go into it with your eyes open. Hopefully you, you know what you're going to do. So there's that tick. Um, there needs to be a conversation, definitely, uh, about what it means to have a fit and proper test in terms of the structure of, of football clubs in the women's game, particularly in the championship. What does that mean? So it's a tick. And for me, it, there was the, the question or the hope, and I use the word reparations, financial reparations to the women's game that have been hindered uh, by the FA's own decision to, to to halt the game, to stop them from playing many, 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 many years ago, which if this were a business, someone would be in court saying that you've 
damaged my right to work, you've hindered my um, investments, you've hindered my financial growth, and there has to be compensation in terms of interest for all of those things. If it was a business, and football is a business, unfortunately for some it is a business because money is important. So there is that question and, and that reparation has to be, for me, from the FA where it is a protected um, you know, pool of money uh, that clubs can access to help them um, build and grow um, in the coming years. And, that, and that's something that should be discussed. And I think it's really, really important. I have a number of ideas about that, but, you know, we can come back to that in, in other pod chats later on. But, you know, from that point, during the Twitter space, from that point, followed once it had closed and, you know, there were a number of people that were involved or sure, listening and contributed, uh, you know, for the Rogue Report. Uh, is it Roka? I think it was, yeah. Um, Paul, as I mentioned, uh, I believe there were a couple of players listening as well. So it was, you know, in- interesting to see the individuals who were, who were listening, but also I was glad that I was able to say from what I wanted to say from someone who's based in London about how it meant, what it meant to me emotionally, you know, because I have no, no direct connection to Coventry, but as a fan, what it meant to me, because the timing sucked, it was terrible. It was just ill-judged, totally. It's just, you know, it's not what you do ever ever uh, at any given point bad news friday but on a thursday it was no it's just terrible um so from the twitter space there was or it has been a an fawc fan collective there is a twitter handle uh, i'm not totally sure who's at the head of this but it is liked everyone likes it i've, I've joined it as part of twitter um and a number of the things that were mentioned on the twitter space have been you know tweeted out etc etc so it's it's good it's really, really good. Also, there was the crowdfunding link created by Michael McGann. Um, and, and I hope I pronounced the surname correctly. Uh, and this was kind. It was not only kind, but it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. It was much needed. It was warmly welcomed. It, and it enabled platforms like this and others to actively retweet and pose varied and valid questions on Twitter about the plight of the club, what's happening for the players, what's happening for the staff, what this means for the fans. And what's it meant for the league? What it meant for the image of the game? All of these things. It was great. So there was a focal point beyond the the, the terrible news that that kind of filtered out slowly uh, uh, on Twitter or social media at that time. So Twitter it showed itself to be very very positive in, in that period of time. Not necessarily for for the players. Obviously, they're dealing with a lot of emotional information, a lot of factual information to contend with. But from from a fan's point of view. We, we used it positively. So there is that. Uh, Michael is brilliant. You know, the crowdfunder, absolutely fantastic. You know, um, the link to the crowdfunder for Coventry, it's still open. And the last time I checked, it had surpassed £14,000. So, you know, you, you can still go to the link. You can support in any way you like. The link is in the bio for this pod chat. Uh, and I'm sure it's on Michael Morgan's Twitter handle. Um, that's there, and I, it might be on Coventry United's um, Twitter handle as well. So there. So in terms of Coventry United's uh, position, which was extremely dire just before Christmas, shocking, terrible, sad news, and in the verge of of literally vanishing in front of our eyes, Energy Angels have come to the rescue. They are an angel indeed. They've arrived, and they are. At this moment in time, the, the CEO is at this moment in time 
putting his money where his mouth is and supporting the women's game, which is what we want to see. Very ethical. Um, very, very ethical. And when I talked about the financial reparations in my tick and wish list and talked about how clubs could look at that funding themselves, I had a particular club in mind. I did. I did. I had a particular club in mind, and I'm sure you know who it is, but I did. Uh, for Energy Angels, um, when you go to their website, you will see on their website, it says saving energy, money and time. And it should say saving energy, money, time and Coventry United Women. That's what it should say right now, because uh, it's 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 a real good news story. And, and football does need it right now. It does, does need it. So diverting my eyes away from Coventry for a moment and their plight. You know, I had the burning question, you know, what does this mean in for the league, what does it mean for the teams in the FAWC, the, the women's championship in terms of going forward, like fixtures? What does it mean for them going forward in terms of, you know, how the, the league is viewed, the, the, the long-term future? Will there be a relegation if, if Coventry didn't survive? If they hadn't survived, would there be a relegation? What would the league do? And what I found interesting is that the, the Twitter handle for the FA. WC, the Women's Championship, it was absolutely void of anything to do with Coventry. There was nothing at all. Um, there was an absence. It was it was like walking into a room uh, and you're unable to find the light switch and you're just there, just scrambling around for like information. It was, it was a strange thing to see. Um, an experience because you still, and I spent days checking Twitter. Uh, to make sure that there, if there was anything tweeted out by a player, it was to be tweeted, you know, from my personal account and, and on and off the pitch, uh, just to make sure that the messages were being spread and sustained and that the conversation didn't kind of die out and, and disappear. So in terms of the question for the, the championship, what does it mean? Uh, does it spell the end of long-term WSL dreams, Right. What happened to Coventry? Is there a fair factor that kind of went through the league and the teams that, all financial backing disappeared literally overnight? Now, that could be for a number of reasons. The, the company that were involved had financial difficulties. Uh, they may have been bought out. Or it may be that they, they just decided that they didn't want to do it anymore considering the results. It might have been due to the results on the pitch. You know, and what does that mean for the league, like that, that could happen at any point in time. It could happen to any team. And some will say, oh, what are you talking about? But we as fans, we do this thing that we want the game to grow. We say that you must invest. Money's got to come from somewhere, right? Right? And if someone says they don't want to do it anymore, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we solve this? What, what are the long-term safety protocols for clubs that are in that position, which is why I mentioned earlier about the whole kind of, you know, pool of money that's set aside that is protected to help grow the game in case things like this happen. In case things like this happen, not just for promotion, not just, but in case things like this happen. You know, the women's game was held back primarily by the FA, you know, and they have a duty of care to rectify that, not just talk about sponsorship, and then, you know, there's this thing about they say, oh, you know, but the men's game, the men's game is unique right now. Sponsors, in terms of their interest in football, is it's at its peak right now. But men's football didn't always have sponsors in the same way as they do right now. They, it has grown over many, many years. It has taken time. We're seeing it at the end where, you know, 
the cream is at the top and we think everything is rosy, but it wasn't like that. It was a, it was a game for fans, a game for supporters. It was a game where people went to watch and supported and, you know, they enjoyed the game for what it was. Now it's much, much more than that. But in terms of the league, what does it mean? In terms of the clubs, what does it mean in terms of their long-term ambitions? Because nothing is guaranteed. And when you hear commentators, I'm going to talk about the WSL, you hear commentators who are former players um, on whatever platform, BBC, BT Sport, Sky Sports, etc., talk about, you know, for example, when the WSL looked at, say, which teams do you think should um, deserve, deserve is the word, deserve to survive relegation, deserve to escape, and they mentioned Leicester straight away. And the reason why is because they have funding. They are funded by their owners. So, you know, there is this already, there is this bias, there is this prejudice already in the language of, of pundits, commentators that are paid to talk about the game, that, you know, the clubs that we need to survive are the ones that are getting funding from their owners. But that can't always be the case because at some point you're going to think, well, not every club is in that position. Durham definitely isn't. You know, very unique club. Coventry players were attracted, went there because of the plans, because of what was said. They invested, you know, emotionally moved to the area as to what they were going to try and achieve over a certain period. And the plug was pulled. What does that mean? When you look at that in comparison to when pundits are talking about Leicester saying that they deserve to step because of their owners. What if they didn't have their owners? What if they were just... You know, so there is a bias, there is a prejudice, there is a predetermined thought process that takes place when people talk about clubs. So, you know, when I say about the league and the championship, is it where does it go from here? What does what does the league need to do, the women's championship, in terms of their own um, kind of pulling power, their own kind of financial acumen, their own fi- kind of financial history? What what do they need to do instead of going, you know, um, small small bowl to those at the, the WSL and say, please, sir, can I have some more of that trickle-down economics money that Barclays are going to hand out in the next few months, years, etc. There needs to be another way. There needs to be a plan B in case the plan A fails, because when the plan A fails, we get moments like Coventry, and you don't want that. The FAWC isn't the WSL. It's very unique. It's appealing in its own right, but funding is an issue. And maybe, just maybe, it may take those teams in that league to look in-house for best practice on how they move forward. And when I mean in-house, I actually mean in the championship. I don't mean in the clubs themselves. I mean in the championship. And there is one standout club that has that kind of panache, that that forward-thinking, outward-looking way of dealing with their finances, and it's Lewis. I'm sorry, Maggie, you know, when I, you know, when you were the one person, Maggie Murphy, you were the one person that I had in mind when I clicked record for this pod chat, because I knew where I was going with it, because I doubt very much the model that Lewis have, that they will find themselves in the position that Coventry found themselves in. Um, because they can see that what they're trying to do is sustainability as opposed to promotion first and foremost. It's about ensuring that say, they survive. 
and and that has to be at the heart of the conversation not of the clubs but of the league the championship itself you need to survive and which is why i've said many times in terms of growing the women's game that it should be protected that the wsl should expand it should take on board some of the clubs that are in the championship and for a set period of time and this is what people don't like and i'll, I'll say it again that there shouldn't be any relegation there shouldn't be any relegation definitely shouldn't i don't you know you you, you want to grow the league but at the same time, there are financial hurdles that clubs need to overcome. And there aren't going to be energy angels for every club. Just not going to happen. Just not going to happen. So there is this realistic need to have a conversation as to what it is that the league and the teams within the league need to do. So best practice. Best practice. And sustainability over a longer period of time that's what it is you know so for the league things to consider things to ponder on for coventry happy days happy days hopefully for coventry happy days i could say that if they still have players but obviously that there's going to be contracts that they need to adhere to you know that they need to stay if they're saved but you have to understand from the from the emotional point of view and the, from the human thought process, there is still the matter of players who, hearing the news, would have moved at breakneck speed to secure themselves clubs somewhere else, to secure themselves a home. And I say that in every sense, because for some individuals who would have moved to Coventry, having mortgages, they would have to think about what do they need to do? I've got to contact the bank. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. They were practical. You know, they were practical. They weren't sitting by, you know, by a wishing well with pennies and just hoping for the best. They were having to be practical individuals. So with all of those things to consider, the club will have to have set out, or the new owners and the, the CEO would have to have set out what it is that they are going to do to invest. And there has to have been some guarantees because it doesn't look good for the players if things don't go well and I'm fingers crossed, but also it doesn't look good for the league. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 you know, food for thought, food for thought. Uh, and, and when you receive news like that before Christmas, it does kind of sort of wobble your confidence in what you previously been told. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, someone says, oh, I'm going to do this. You go, yeah, mm -hmm, okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, so one of the things, <laughs> one of the things that um, stood out for me during that whole kind of thing, that period between just before Christmas and, and now, um, was a tweet from Katie Wilkinson, and she provided an update on the information, and it was on the second of January. Okay, so this is we're kind of, we're, we're we're in the moment still. We're still start this week 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 one of twenty twenty two, so it's not that long ago. And um, lengthy statement, and there's a section that stood out. And it said, the PFA stated that they were not able to look after the team, Coventry United players, uh, as a whole due to the club, wait for it, being in the FAWC and not in the WSL. Du, du, du. 
So the PFA, the disparity is clear. Yeah, the WSL is the only thing that really matters to the, the custodians of the game. It's clear. I don't even know what to say to that. It's just like a kick in the gut. The PFA stated that they were unable to look after the team as a whole due to the club not being in the FAWC. Or for the club being in the FAWC and not in the WSL. I mean, you just got like, really? Okay. Do they need their own union now? Maybe. This is why this is why I'm proposing that the, the teams, the clubs in the championship need to think about their own best interests. They need to look in-house, they need to look at best practice in-house, they need to because you there is no guarantee that something like this will not happen again. There is none. There is absolutely none. And it is a clear indication that that sentence, that line is a clear indication of how much that the powers that be actually think beyond the WSL. The FAWC aren't even considered as Cinderella's in their mind. They're not even considered as that. They're just like, you know, whatever. Um, you're not the WSL. Ooh, sorry. Nothing we can do. So you get news from an outgoing owner, Jab Punch, and then you get a kick from the PFA. I mean, you just couldn't make it up. That's what you call a really shitty Christmas. But it is a new year, and there is a new Coventry. So Coventry's lot, right? Is definitely, it's definitely peaked, doesn't it? Really, because they were having a bad time in terms of results. They've got bad news. I mean, they were just literally set upon. They were just punched and kicked. It's just, you know, wow. Um, results poor. Expectations probably far too high. Definitely. I, I mean, I was talking nonstop about what I thought they were going to do at the beginning, considering the personnel they recruited. So I was thinking, this is going to be great. So obviously things didn't go well. So there is no middle ground for them. There is no middle ground. You know, the free fall into the abyss, whew, that must have been one long drop. And when you do that, it creates um, an uncertainty. But considering the arrival of the angel, yes. Um, Considering the experience and the exposure that they've all seen and witnessed on social media and the, the the will of the fan supporters across clubs, across the leagues, to support and speak up on their behalf, is is this the moment where the, the necessary glue, the necessary gumption, the fire in the pits of the players' stomachs will change and therefore reinforce their desire to prove everyone wrong? Will that bring about a change in their fortunes on the pitch? Will it bring about a resolve that will make them so much more difficult to beat? We don't know. Things to, to think about, you know? I I hope so. I hope so. Um, you know, there is that they are in the existence of the league close to that, that relegation zone. And it's going to make it really interesting. And I think from now, I mean, it was always going to be interesting anyway, considering the position that they found themselves in alongside Watford in terms of points. But with everything that happened between, you know, the the eve of the eve of Eve's Christmas and where we are right now, 
we've seen a roller coaster of events and emotions take place and, and actually be laid out for everyone. It's going to be really interesting. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be so, it's going to be so interesting. And, and, in, and in fact, it's going to be interesting in terms of the league. I mean, what do you do? You know, do you, will you still go ahead with relegation? What, what if Coventry after all of this still don't escape relegation? What does that mean? I mean, it's a very difficult question to pose, but it's the one that, you know, on this platform we pose many times, you know, what does it mean for clubs that are full-time? It's not an ideal scenario for the club. It's not an ideal scenario for the league. It just won't look good. It just won't look good at all, at all. Um, and it's, yeah, you know, it's difficult. Um, but away from this, away from this section, away from the whole talk about Coventry, I'm going to literally just talk one moment about the fans and what that actually means for the fans. So let's take everything away for a moment and just bank that for one side. The expectation from fans is always huge. There's, an, there's a, a desire for fans to be part of the growth of the game and what we offer. And I say we, I talk as a fan of football and the expectation that we have for the game to grow at a particular rate and what we expect owners to do, what we expect the platforms, i.e. the media platforms, the online platforms to do in terms of give, not, not only providing access, but also spreading the good word of what that means. And the reality is, is very different. You know, are fans expecting too much? Are, are, you know, are fans and supporters unable to just be happy with the content that they see before them and this hope for it to grow organically without it being placed in a pressure cooker and then, then put in a microwave and then oven baked to in, increase the growth at a rate that probably is a little bit too fast. And I think when you look at what happened to Coventry, I'm sticking with the fans, but I mentioned Coventry, that are the fans part of, I'm not say the problem, but are they unwilling to just see it for what it is? You know, it's just a sport and we're lucky to go and watch the game and we're lucky to go and see women play football and play in a competitive way. And I'm so glad that I found the game as late as I did, but I'm so glad because it has renewed my faith in football when it had been, you know, disappearing for some time in terms of what I was watching for the men's. But this, the women's is very different and I'm glad. But in terms of the, the women's game, is there an expectation from the fans? That's That's far too big for what the game actually is. You know what what we see in terms of on the pitch, and I don't know if it's unfair of me to say, but it, it's something that I have to say, and, and I don't know what the expectation from from Coventry fans are. But I speak about what I've had in terms of conversations myself with others, and we want the game to be the best thing ever. We want to see games on TV all the time. We want the access. I've complained many times about there not being enough games on the BBC who have a number of channels that don't even come on until nine o'clock so they could show games like BBC Four and BBC Three, you know, it's just available 
Every home has a TV. Every homeowner probably pays their TV license. It's accessible. Doesn't need to be tucked away on Sky Sports for an extra, extra subscription. It's there. But the reality is that for all of the things that we clamor for, they don't necessarily materialize. And what does it mean for the team? Are we putting too much pressure on them? Are we putting too much pressure on the players? And is that then having a negative impact on what we're seeing on the pitch? What does it mean? Is there too much pressure for clubs to go full-time from fans? We want more. You need it now. And the FA, uh, and the FAWC uh, are in a, in a bit of a pickle because they want the glamour as well. And they can see and they use the energy of the fans and the clamour. Give us more. Give us more content. Give us this. Give us that. Show us this. Why can't we have highlights on Google like everyone else, et cetera, et cetera? And maybe there just isn't the infrastructure for that. Maybe there isn't the, the will. Maybe there isn't the finances behind that. So all of the things that we expect and we want just isn't there. And because of our expectations, um, does that have a negative impact on the teams who are have aspirations to, to be promoted to the WSL? only to know that they're going to be cannon fodder for a season and they don't want that. They're going to go out there and get blitzed 4-5-0, 6-0, 7-0, 9-0. They're going to go, ooh, isn't me the mother goat? And then they come back down to the championship, you know. And, <laughs> you know, I think sometimes as fans, we... This is why I love the championship, because you're not getting that. You're getting a very different kind of product. I believe fans need to have a conversation. We need to have a conversation with ourselves and say, what, what is it that we're actually expecting? Are we asking, are we asking actually too much from the players that are working full time and then training two, three, four evenings a week? Are we asking too much and expecting them to, are we expecting too much from uh, officials who have a full time job to then go out there and do the line or the re and referee a game and they get a, get abuse and get questioned. You know, are we asking too much? The pundits get paid. Everyone else in the TV studio gets paid. But, the you know, the players, I don't know what they get paid, but, you know, they get some money. But, you know, the fans, we bring a lot of energy. Imagine if we just did the nine to five and we only went to the games, we talked about the games during the game and then after that we had radio site and we did nothing. And I think because we talk so much, I think because we spend so much time on social media and we generate conversation amongst ourselves, sometimes it might be the echo chamber where we're talking to ourselves and, and, and creating a kind of, of noise which doesn't reflect the reality that we're going to see. Are we expecting too much? And I, I, and I say this now in hindsight of everything that we we know of Coventry and their plight, that I want to be able to watch them and enjoy the game. And there's no pressure on them. I don't want to, I don't want to say they need to. I just want to watch them play because they weren't going to play a couple of weeks ago. You know, and I, I, I just believe that, and I might, rightly or wrongly, I believe that, you know, we're not here long in terms of being on this planet. So, you know, I like watching football, so I want to enjoy it. And I don't really want to put too much pressure on anyone if they're having a difficult time. And they're going to have, those players are going to have a very difficult time because they will know that everyone's been watching. So, you know, from my point of view, I'm, I'm hoping to see them play a good game. Regardless of the result, I'll just want to see a good game. But this still is the question about fans, um, 
are we expecting too much? Are we unrealistic? Or are we being unrealistic in terms of uh, what we expect to see from our teams, the league, sponsors, owners, TV companies, media outlets of ourselves, are we? Uh, and we do a very good job of talking to ourselves. It takes time. It does take time. But it's not necessarily what we see. Considering the amount of hours that fans talk about football, I mean, football players put their time in as well. They train. And I'm sure they're matched. But the media companies, there's a kind of disparity in terms of what's happening here. In this three-way conversation, there are two parties that are doing a lot of stuff. And there's one third going, let's wait and see what they do. Uh, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, you know, and with that, I'll come back to the point that I made again. This is why there needs to be a protected portion of finances set aside for the women's game. This just needs to. It just needs, it just needs to happen. It just needs to happen. Um, right. We're going to move away from that and we're just going to talk about fixtures coming up. Mmm, nice. So the championship returns this weekend. And obviously a certain team can't play because they're just getting themselves sorted out. So we know about them and their opponents aren't going to play. Potentially their opponents, but could have been. Uh, so Bristol's not on the list. So a week off. What does that mean for the league? Is there an advantage? Ah, people are starting to think. Fixture pile up. All of these questions. Unfair. What are the referees going to do? What are the league going to do? Ah. Um, so for the games that are currently going on, well, <laughs> let me start that again. For the games that are potentially going ahead, because, you know, it's a new year, but COVID is still here. Check. Uh, the games that are still <laughs> pending to go ahead. Uh, Lewis is due to take on Durham uh, at 12 o'clock on Sunday, which will be a very, very good game. Durham, second in the league. And we'll probably want to see what's going on at Lewis's house. And uh, Lewis um, had a very good, have had a very good season so far. Uh, still punching, not say above their weight. I'd say they're punching. They just they've had a, a few blips, but uh, uh, you know they're they're in contention. You know that's going to be a very tough and challenging game. Uh, and also we've got Charlton um, host playing host to Sheffield United. Sheffield United have had a little bit of an indifferent period. Charlton had a little bit of a dip. This is the team. Both teams like to play football. In fact, all of the teams in the league like to play football. Let's clarify that for now. Um, it will be a very interesting, interesting battle, to say the least. Um, so uh, another game, if hopefully it's going to be on the FA player. God, who knows? Um, then we've got Blackburn versus Liverpool. Now, Blackburn can can provide a little bit of a, a, a difficult um, pause difficult problems for any opposition. They face Liverpool. Liverpool are flying high. They're doing really well. They really well. They're in their stride. They're in their groove. Um, this will be an interesting game after the Christmas break and we'll see whether or not uh, the game goes ahead because the men's team, Liverpool, have a little bit of problems with COVID. Not saying they're based in the same place, but you just never know. Uh, Sunderland host Crystal Palace uh, again. Uh, that's going to be a really, really good game. Uh, Sunderland, uh, very good attacking, very good attacking team. Uh, watch them play. 
the first game when they came went to Crystal Palace. I think they played at um, Sellers Park. It was good, um, good, good, good game of football. Um, like to move the ball on the the ground. Got great attacking players. Crystal Palace. Uh, 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 I say Crystal Palace are doing really, really well. I'm, I'm going to hope that I'm really hoping that game is on the FA player. And there is one particular player. Uh, that I, I mean, I've watched a number of the teams now that I really like, and I don't believe this player understands how good they are. And that's Lizzie Waldy. And I mean, just really good player. Um, so, yeah, um, really good. I'm, I, I'll be interested to see how that game pans out. Obviously, it'll be a good game, but also Lizzie Waldy, good player. Um, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, the last game to to go ahead. Uh, in the championship is Watford. They host uh, London City, um, another London derby. London, London town. Um, they're not. So someone did say to me, Watford's not in London. <clears throat> anyway, uh, that's going to be a good game. Um, I watched the actual original fixture when uh, London City hosted Watford. It was very, I mean, London City really had that game. They could have won, and it just became a really difficult game. Really difficult game. It came close to the end. It almost got away with Watford. Uh, and London City, I think they would kick themselves that they didn't actually put that game away. That was when Watford were having a very difficult time. Um, but I could see in that game that they had to resolve and 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 they were going to get points further on in the in their fixtures, and they did. Um, I'll, it'll, I'll be interested to see how, how this game pans out. Definitely interested to see how that game pans out. So, you know, so in terms of the league, Liverpool are top, Durham a second, London City third on 19 points. Really interesting. Palace fourth, Bristol, who don't play a fifth. And uh, if Charlton win their game against uh, Sheffield United, who have had, who started off so well, but a ninth Sheffield um, on 11 points. It's going to be really interesting. Blackburn Rovers on 10 points. And then we've got the other two teams that are down on six points. So we've got Coventry, who are not bottom, uh, and Watford, who are bottom, and by goals conceded, by goals conceded. So that's going to be really, really interesting for them. So in terms of the championship, uh, that's that. Now, I've talked a lot about the championship today, and for good reason, because the, the news about a team folding is news. You know, let's just take it. It's, you know, for everything else that's happening on, in terms of football, that's kind of the most pressing thing because sometimes bad news, which becomes good news, is the best news. Uh, so we spent a lot of time talking about them. So in terms of WSL news, fans are going crazy. Um, potential transfers, transfer wins are open. You know, clubs have been linked to everyone. You know, they've been linked to Connect4, they've been linked to Scrabble. They've been linked to, yeah, I'm joking. They've been linked to players that are eh, talented, let's just say this. And uh, it's interesting to see um, which clubs are going to do business and how soon Aston Villa have done business already. So they they, they brought in a young a young player after the game. Name escapes me now, forgive me, but they're, they're showing signs that they're, they're making business. Uh, Carl Award, respect, uh, is doing her thing, boss woman. Uh, but COVID is still is still the thing. And it's affected some of the games as we stand right now. It's impacted games right now in the WSL. Key games have been called off. West Ham versus Manchester United. Uh, decision for uh, the game to be called off due to positive COVID-19 amongst 
players and staff. I believe that might be to, to do with West Ham. I think so, um, particularly. Uh, who knows what's going to happen there in terms of uh, when that game is going to be played. Um, and, you know, for 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 uh, Man United, it, it, it's not a trip to a cold London, which happened before, and I think they had a very difficult time. Memory serves right. So that game has been called off. Another game which has been called off due to COVID is Chelsea versus Tottenham. Again, uh, COVID-19 um, cases in the Chelsea camp. Uh, so therefore, they are off the table in terms of, of what's happening there. So they're not in the the this round of games uh, uh, in the new era of 2022. So for the games that are, are still going ahead, as I say this now, <laughs> Uh, Aston Villa uh, face Everton. That's a 12.30 kickoff, uh, which, again, I say, who knows what's going to happen. That's on a Saturday. And then you have uh, the remaining fixtures of Brighton, Man City. That'll be interesting to see what happens there. You've got Reading versus Leicester. Uh, Leicester are desperate to get points. Reading, you know, have had some good results towards the end of 2021. Then we've got Birmingham City versus Arsenal. And Birmingham, who have you know, brought in a new manager in the summer, who then changed that manager for a new manager, need to see some momentum. I know that there are a number of players linked to them joining in January. We'll see whether that happens. Arsenal, likewise, had a very good end towards um, 2021. Not so much in the Champions League. Some of their results were a bit, you know, but it's like that. It's, it's, a, it's a different different strokes with different folks, as they say, different league and the competition is fierce in the Champions League. I have to say again, um, you know, so glad that the zone is in the house when it comes to showing the games on YouTube. Who knew that YouTube would be such a fashionable platform for football? Go figure. Uh, so that's it in terms of football. We'll see whether or not um, these games take place. We will have uh, some reflective discussions on the next pod chat and see how things go in terms of Coventry's um, survival and and all of the rest. And I'll be doing, hopefully, a player watch if the FA player shows the game. Christ. Um, excuse me, not for profanity. Anyway, before I wrap up, away from football, everyone's been listening to the news, watching the news. So in tennis, right, there's a certain tennis star who temporarily obtained a medical exemption to enter Australia. Uh, you know, and Australia, they've been really tough on people entering the country. If a friend there, you know, who's got to go and see his mum passed away, I mean, the, the, the hassle he's having to get to get out of the country when he's a resident, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. And if you ever seen the program Border Control, I mean, these people don't even let in packets of crisps. They don't even let in certain food groups into the country, even plants. So for a certain player, tennis player, to, to get, um, you know, a medical exemption, it means something. But my question is this. How does a top sports person, at the peak of their powers, obtain a medical exemption for anything? I mean, surely your own medical team would have, you know, just... Um... Yeah, anyway, it's, a, it's nothing to do with football, but it is a question. Definitely a medical question. Anyway, answers on a postcard if those things still exist. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for now. This was on and off the pitch. It's a new year and we have a new Coventry 
Uh, I'm Rodney Cyrus, and I'll see you guys later. Bye for now. Welcome to On and Off the Pitch.